0: There's two things we're doing this morning, is do an overview of the weekend for you. On Thursday night, we had a roundtable, a uh, round discussion with those chairs over there. There's about 18 of us. We talked about this topic. We were rounding around on, on what topic, because as we discussed the different needs among men meeting with men, it's, it's like the only thing that seemed to tie them all together was centering on Christ. So... Let's see, what do we say? Christ the center. Well, that's that topic in the topical memory system, you know. So, John Mark said, Let's don't do that. I don't want to do that. That's in the TMS. So, it's, okay, so centered on Christ, centered in Christ. So, I called Mike Murphy. What do you think? No, I want the sign to read focused on Christ because that's what we got to do. We got to do that. I thought, That's good. Then, on the, in this group, we started thinking, what is that? What does that look like? And boy, these guys came up with some good stuff. We thought, well, it's mental and emotional. Focusing on Christ is both. So you're mental, but it's your heart. Then it was shared. Different guys have shared different things, and you'll remember who you are when I say what you said. But one brought in temperaments and how our personalities cause us to think a certain way anyway. And that's, that's really good. And then one fellow brought up, it's a mindset. Uh, To not let Satan in, part of this excludes Satan. So if you're focusing on Christ, he doesn't get a seat at the table. I thought that was good. And then um, who would bring up football and baseball? Well, it was coach. Now I have to credit uh, coach with this. Where's coach? Oh, he had to go. Okay. Well, he talked about how... um, one of the problems in he's on the sidelines, and there's the stand and the band and all the noise, and the players are there and the game's going, and you gotta talk to them. Well, there's a problem of focus. So he talked about how in practice he has to help them learn to focus, otherwise they can't. He can't call anything because their mind is not on it. Uh, I never had that thought. You know, it's football, and I, you know. But anyway, and then he talked about how in every play there's only so many seconds that's where it's crucial. Decisions have to be made at that point, And it's a focus thing. And you think, good night, focus all over the place. And then one guy brought up, really the opposite of it is distraction. So you get distracted everywhere, you're not focused. And I thought, wow, that's true. So then it was brought up, uh, it's similar it's like, how can you just focus all the time on Jesus? I mean, when you go to work, you got to focus on work. When you're driving, you better be driving. <laughs> you know? And so focus. Well, and Mike Murphy brought up, I remember, he said, that's like the verse, pray without ceasing. Is he really mean, literally, like you never quit praying? No. But it's a mindset. It's a heart attitude. It's like in default mode, you'll go to prayer Well, see, you're focusing on Christ. It's like that's in the background. Interesting. And then a a thought was with integrity of heart. How can you focus on Christ and then seek after the values of the world and sin? And we talked about set no worthless thing before my eyes. We talked about how our media distracts us so much from focusing on Christ. And then at the very last is really good, focus really comes from interest. It's what I'm interested in, it's what I'm about, that, I mean, that, that'll drive it. I thought that was so good, I, these little notes I took from the guys. And then, our weekend launched. Friday morning, I gave a talk. I was gonna give a talk on balance, cause Dawson and John Crawford used to talk about balance all the time. John would talk to me about it as we would be meeting and stuff. But then, you know, if you spend your life trying to be balanced, you don't get anywhere. You're trying to be balanced with this area and that area, and you make sure you're balanced here and there. It's really needed. But you've got to focus on the Lord and His work, or you won't move. You'll just kind of get balanced. So I want to head somewhere. So we started, I had uh, three passages that would summarize Jesus like, like how it is, is chron- chronologically through his ministry, but also three things that he really hit on focus and then got into balance and how to think about life in so many areas. And then in the afternoon, Friday afternoon, Shannon did a wonderful job, as did Tim and Graham. Uh, we titled it Our Daily Walk, but it was Prayer in the Word focusing on meditating and Bible study. And I know Shannon, this has been a journey he's been on that God has really convicted him. And he shared with you clips and thoughts from past retreats and different men is meeting with him about prayer. And then Tim on meditating and Graham on study was so good, is that we've got to focus on Christ, we have to do some things. It's not just a mind thing. To me, I'm a work guy, a project guy. I think like that. So it fits my little temperament or whatever to make little projects out of things. So I know prayer, meditating, Bible study, quiet time, scripture memory, all those things. I go around and I do. And that really helps me because I'm working on that. And that helps me focus on him. So I'm bringing him in. And so I don't know how you are. That's me suggesting me. Then Mike Murphy talked about our identities changed. We have an identity from earth, from our family, however that is. But then we are in Christ with an identity. And a part of that is he broke the chains that bind us to law and sin. And then we have to rethink who we are, and that will help us think of how to act and how to do. And that helps us in focusing on Christ. And that was his talk. With those knock them out of the park graphics that David then copied, the reality of marriage. We got to thinking in our little planning times. We got to thinking that we needed to have some practical and and so I asked David he would eight years ago we, we look back and it was 2014 he gave this two part talk on reality of marriage, but since then he got his master's in biblical counseling. He started doing counseling as his fishing pond. You know, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Well, that implies that we need to be fishing because he's going to make us of And so where's your pond? Where's your lake? And so it's somewhere in your life. It can be at work. It could be around your neighborhood. It could be, you know, lots of places. Well, we've talked about this many times. He's part of the counseling team over at New Vision. And he'll get people in with issues, and he goes through Scripture to for help them to understand. And he tries to lead them to Christ, if not, and then follow them up. So it's a great fishing pod. So he's been working with men out of that. He's got a lot of experiences since he gave that first talk, so I said bring them in. So it's just powerful. So thank you, David. That To bring the Lord into, to focus on Christ in and through my marriage and think of how this works there was powerful. And then we had uh, Dave Kopp last night talk about, it's persevering faith, but that's not the real title. What, what is it again? How to keep the joy bells ringing in your heart when the bottom falls, the the bottom falls out. That's good. That would not even print on this little sheet. I, that's so long, but that's true. And I, I wrote down, I think there were eight things you've been through You didn't mention the loss of your daughter. You forgot to mention that. That would have been nine. Nine hits he's had in life that he didn't ask for. It came out of left field. His sweet little girl, and then the cancers, and the returns, and the car wreck, and then the house burning down, and, and it's, oh man, all this stuff. And you see this guy, I don't call him bitter. Do you? No. Why? Because of that. He's focused on the Lord, and life is hard. We're living a fallen world, and there's stuff going to happen to us, and we go, "Why?" And you can't explain it, but you can walk with the Lord through it. And so that was that was powerful, and and we had, uh, let's see, Andy Herzer, Destin Goins, and Scott Osborne, on they gave testimonies, and then Richard Ray about giving. So we've had a lot of guys talking and sharing their life. And so, the small groups, I, one of the things is they're by design for skills. So, um, guys, I met with guys and I said, Do you get time in the Word? Well, all they know what to do in the Bible is read. So, I have 15 minutes, I spend 15 minutes reading, I'll read a chapter, maybe two. Then I just leave. Well, that doesn't soak in. It's, not, I'm not, it's like I'm not doing business with God. So, how do, you, how do you meditate? So that's one of the reasons Tim brought that thing and Graham on study, meditate and study, is to stop and go deeper with the verse that you're working on. And so I know that when I help a fella quiet times, I help him to not read so much. Because we'll spend the time reading. No, no, no. Spend the time reading a little and then stop and just dig deeper. That little uh, exercise, it's really the format is 30 discipleship exercises, and it comes from the Billy Graham ministry. But uh, the guy that designed it uh, left the NAVs to go to the Graham ministry, and he did what the NAVs do over there and wrote that material, and it came out of. But there's like a topic, six verses on the left or passages, and then you pick one and you break it down, keyword or phrase, and then rewrite. So then you comprise it and rewrite it. Then you think through, wow, how does this hit me? So you haven't, done, you haven't really read much, but your goal is not to read. So your goal is to meditate by breaking down, and it's a mental thing you go through to rewrite and think through. So that was actually, you went through a, a mock-up of what you could do. You can read a little bit, like in a lot of these Bibles now, is, uh, the older ones just ran straight and left margin uh, on each verse. Now it's paragraphs, and then it's little topic headings. So it's perfectly grouped for you to get a thought, you know. So you can just read a little section, take take that model, break down the uh, pick a verse, break it down, chew on it, and reflect back to God. We'll see you. That that little exercise can help you with your quiet times. All right. Then uh, on Saturday morning. Uh, Carol wrote those. I asked her to redo all these prayer sheets. We had five different ones that we've been using different years. Different guys wrote them. And so she she compiled some. And so the idea of go to the Psalms, let the verses carry you in thoughts to God. Because they're written scriptures and all they are is prayers. Songs and prayers to God. That's what they are. And so if you use that, then you don't, it guides you. So you read and you get a thought and then you pray it back to God. Well, that's by design on the weekend for you to encounter how to do that. So you can do that yourself. So you can, one morning in your quiet time, you turn to a psalm. And for 10 or 15, you just read that verse and then think it's thoughts and pray it to God and read the next verse. You just work through a little bit. Now you've had your quiet time. And it's a prayer time guided by Scripture. And another morning, you know, I'll review my verses. So I, you know, I keep my verse pack with me, you know, and the verses, and I'll chew on them. So I'm working through this pack and this pack that I've learned way in the past, but it's foggy, so I'll pull it back and work on it. And that pulls to mind the things. So that helps me focus on Christ. So what we want to do next is pull the main speakers. So that is um, me, Shannon. Hamrick, Tim, Ferris. Is Graham here? Oh, he left. Oh, okay. And then Mike left. And then David Nolan and Dave Kopp. So let's all come up here. We've got questions. I asked John Mark to organize them. And so he'll be asking us questions. Maybe you may want to bring your Bible because you might think of something and you want to turn there. We have Easter coming up.
1: You ever thought about Easter and how we celebrate it? Easter, the day that Jesus died and rose from the dead. What shall we do? How about eggs? <laughs> eggs? What does that have to do with? Jesus. I don't know. We'll hide them. What? Don't worry. There's a bunny. <laughs> anyway, try to, you know, do my best, Kevin. So, in the yeah. So these guys are here. I, I was sitting with Graham at breakfast before he left, and that somebody had asked, um, "How does the rigor of academics uh, uh, from seminary affect your relationship with God?" And he said that he really, it is a struggle because he's just studying the Word all the time. It becomes so academic. Uh, that it's easy just to think, oh, since I'm in the Word and I'm studying it, I don't necessarily have to have a quiet time. And so he's been, he has battled with that some, and he said one thing that's really helped is some of his professors, they, they, they will, every day, they'll talk to, they'll talk to one of the students, and they'll pray in front of the class, they'll pray for that one student. So they do that all together, so it's not just academic, there's a relationship, and so... Hmm. He's really enjoyed that, and he has he's had some really good professors. So, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that about seminary that it it is tough on your relationship of the Lord because you can view view the Bible purely as academic. So, uh, this is for Tim. I, I just I haven't separated, so you're going to get like three questions in a row, Tim. And so it's oh, not. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh,
0: <laughs> but I want I want to say that there may be a lead like you ask him, but if if one yeah, of y'all definitely. think of, of something yeah. to contribute, it's not just for him and nobody else. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Is it possible to get too
1: involved with using apps on computer or phone instead, just, instead of just using the Bible and listening to God and how to guard against this?
2: Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, and I think, just, I mean, just, just one of the things we... Graham and I talked about that specifically when we were preparing for this and, and that's one of the reasons we, we wanted to talk about the attitude while we come to the come to the scriptures and what's the purpose of coming to the scriptures to you know be transformed and be conformed. It's you know it's not to have the latest and greatest app. You know, except if, you're, if you're not encountering the living Christ while you're doing it, then then it's not worth it.
0: Now, um, I, I don't know, I was thinking of the older guys in the technology. Now, Gil, how many apps do you use to study the Bible?
3: <laughs>
0: he said his smart telephone goes with him everywhere. He plays music on it, and he talks in it. And that's about it. Okay. <laughs> My, he doesn't have a MyFace account, he said. Jeff, I gotta, I gotta tell this. I'll quote you because they didn't hear. Life is simple and good without all the garbage. Now are you labeling computers garbage? <laughs> yeah.
2: For the record, he's pointing his finger at us right now,
0: saying <laughs> <laughs> that. Yeah, I love how y'all are repeating
1: this in order to keep it on the record that Jeff is actually saying.
0: No, I gotta my, tell my, this. You know. I gotta tell this. We sat down one time. We were at some restaurant. I don't know. And Jeff said, have you gotten on to one of these things? I said, what are you talking about, things? He said, well, there's, um, and he did this. And he said, it's um, my book or Face Space or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a war, there was, was it? There was Facebook, but then it was, what was it for other one, Space something? MySpace. No. MySpace, my space. yeah, that's what I thought, that was it. So he got them all confused. <laughs> But anyway. And that's, okay. why,
3: that's why I'm computer dead.
0: You're
1: computer dead? dead okay. Yeah. All right. Um, how do you pick, Tim, how do you pick a topic to study?
2: For me, it's just, it's like, uh, you know, what God's doing. Like, like I mentioned that it's on my to-do list to do, biblical, you know, study on biblical manhood. It's because I see men around me that have no clue what that is and you know I'm in that group as well I think to some degree so so it's something I need to know about if I'm gonna be working with 20 year olds and 30 year olds and they don't know about that then I need to know about that that and then your wives are pretty good at doing that you know like boy I wish you'd so and so and then <laughs> okay well that would mean I would need to know something about intercession or what I don't know whatever it might be service what David you could, you could give us a better list of what we need to be studying to be good husbands which you did I appreciate that um, so that's just out of life I think you know if you're if you're coming before Christ not not that I'm doing this all the time but if you're coming before Christ then you're gonna see things and he's gonna
4: he's going speak to you so but bringing out of that over the weekend you know we've, we you've heard a lot of names like John Crawford Jim Downing, Noel Nelson, some of you met those guys and some haven't, and so those of you who don't know those folks, we can share who they are at some other point, but several years ago, I remember Jim Downing saying, he he said, what you want to do is you want to chase your curiosity, chase your curiosity. So." The things that you're concerned about, or the thing, the questions that you have in life, eh, that you're wondering about, you—I mean—I think we all believe that the Bible has something to say to that. So then, you kind of hone in on what one or two words does that look like. Uh, so then you can go and use these these tools to help save time in trying to find the references. And um, so I think that's what I think of as chasing curiosity. Or, like me, uh, where there's there's a a weakness or an area of your life where you know you need some, you would like to work or get some understanding in. Like like the, the girl that I was telling you about, I don't even remember what her situation was, but I was really leaning her towards go to the Word and study what it says about that thing that you're struggling with. I know years and years past. I know I brought up to Andy like, uh, like self-control, things like that. So um, the guy that you meet with can also give unique insight mm-hmm. into that, as God gives him unique insight into your life, and say, hey, you might want to go, go chase this down a little bit, but chase your curiosity. And I thought
2: of something else too is that. Um depending on how your, your church is set up. Our, at our church, we take a book of the Bible and, and they preach through it on Sunday mornings. And so um, we also, with a group of guys from our church, we study. We're studying. That's why I'm studying Mark right now. It's we're preaching through Mark. So you know, if your pastor's doing a series on, I don't know, faithfulness, then you know, be doing a study on faithfulness while that sermon series is going on. That's another suggestion. Dave's got something to say. Yes, uh, one
3: of the things we talked about was Who's your mentor? Who's your accountability partner? And as you're going through life and ministry, they're observing your life and can help you stay on track. They'll see the weaknesses. They'll walk you through them. They'll stand in the gap and make up the heads for you. You know, And that's that's so important in in being faithful to the Lord is just having somebody that's got your back.
1: How does my identity in Christ help me on balance in my Christian life and marriage? My identity in
5: Christ.
1: How does my identity in Christ help me on balance in my Christian life and in marriage?
5: Your identity in Christ, I would think is, uh, goes to the things that we were talking about, that if you keep your eyes on the eternal, the eyes on the things above, then you don't get so bogged down in the things of this world, where your where your marriage is not just getting along every day, not fighting, or <clears throat> uh, you know raising your kids or, or providing income and you know all the things of the world. That's not the the main thing. The main thing is being who you are in Christ, is giving you an eternal perspective and realizing that. God's using your marriage to grow you, to grow you spiritually.
0: And, and I'm thinking of balance. Um, uh, what if you're not really, let's say you're a believer but not centered on Christ in a walk, and then somebody brings up something. So it could be a wife, or it could be a, somebody at work, it could be. Well then that usually, a lot of times when they bring it up, you're out of balance. But you could be threatened by that. But if you've got to walk with Christ, they bring that up. Now you take it to the Lord they brought up. And then you start chewing on it. So instead of, he's attacking me, I'm going to attack him back. Or she's attacking me, I'm going to attack her back. You take it in and it helps, your identity in Christ helps you be secure. So you can address things. But if you're in yourself, you're insecure, and it's going to be a threat. So I think it really is key in marriage. Uh, I know in, in a chemistry lab, we do experiments, and we have what's called a heat sink. It's like an experiment be generating a lot of heat, and you had to have a place for it to go. And you'd establish a pathway, and it, and it would go over here. It's kind of like, I've thought of that many times in my marriage and in situations. Do I want to be the explosive reactive guy or do I want to be the heat sink? Where I absorb, everything comes to me and I take it in. If I'm fixed on Christ, I can handle that. And it it just helps me work through things. Uh, The security thing is a big deal, I think. All right. Mark.
1: How how do the navigators me navigate yeah uh-huh. uh huh how do navigators navigate the waters of different church doctrines
0: oh how do navigators navigate the waters of different church doctrines I might defer this to Dave. <laughs> How do navigators navigate different church doctrines?
3: I remember that when I was in Atlanta, we uh, put together and uh, tested the 2-7 series. And the whole intention was to get back into church and help the church get a vision of discipleship. And uh, so a lot of pastors were threatened by that. And, uh, And still are. Uh, But it's really an attitude of how we, as Navigators, go in and want to serve and be good listeners and Mm -hmm. and still carry the culture of discipleship in the church. And so we're trying to help pastors come to that vision, and so it goes from the top down. Uh, But uh, I can tell you... We right had around Noel. We blew up a few churches. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think they're still learning, believe me. And uh, it's not been an easy task. But the, the, the ministry of, the, of uh, church discipleship has come under a new program called Disciples for Life. And so that means whatever we do, even through the church, we want to make disciples for life. So if the pastor's not with you, that doesn't keep us from ministering to others. Well, I, I was just to say
2: um, there's there's fundamental issues that, that you know you can't really compromise, and there's others that there's been faithful men and women through two thousand years of Christianity that have had very differing opinions on that.
0: You mean like doctrines. doctrines? Doctrines. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So and so you know if I'm if I'm you know Calvinistic in my approach i got to realize that there is a boatload of really faithful Arminians out there, you know, that God's used and there that are going to be waiting for me when I get to heaven. Mm-hmm. And there's, um, like the Apostles Creed and the Nicene Creed have some really fundamental truths doled down into, you know, into, into a paragraph or two. But all, a lot of those things we fight about are not in those things. So, so there's 2,000 years of orthodoxy that we can go back to. You know, these are the these are the things you die for on the hill mm-hmm. and fight for. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was telling Graham last night we were talking about some stuff. I said I wouldn't be willing to die for that particular thing on the hill. I'd be willing to take a couple of bruises for it because you know, it's not a fundamental doctrine that if you don't believe that way, you're not going to get to heaven. Kind stuff. But there are some things that you know if you don't, if you don't know the deity of Christ and the humanity of Christ, those things like that. that those are fundamental issues that that have to be held as true.
0: Wow. Well, I think of several things. One is there's really precedent for organizations like Navigators, Campus Outreach, Crusade, Campus Crusade for Christ, Inner Varsity. There's precedent for them in the New Testament. Paul and his roaming band and Jesus and his band, they weren't a church. They were mobile and they had specifics they did they would and then they churches were in a place and then they would move around among them and there's a ministry both 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 and and so that's where i look at navigators and then historically i mean as far as rooted in the bible then historically no one set out to start the navigators um, this man dawson trotman was used by god in the u.s navy and by the end of World War II, there was about a little over a 1,000 ships, I think, in the Pacific Fleet. And there was a navigator Bible study on every one of them. Because they, they had plans to move among these ships, and they'd put in for transfer in a little group of them. And then they'd go over, and they'd share their faith, and in, in the, in the faith spread. And then these guys, through the GI Bill, go to college, and they start writing Dawson, hey, we need help on the campus. So then the campus ministry was born with Navigators. And then those guys get out, marry, and they're in the community, and then they want not help that way. So then there's a community. So the Navigators have three big, it's the three big compartments. There's the military, and then there's a collegiate, and then there's the community. And then all of those are subsetted into different stuff. But that's kind of like the big umbrellas. Well, is that based on doctrines? No. Is that based on church organizations? No. It just, it's like any institution. You, you go back so far and it wasn't there. It just, it grew out of something. And that's how the NAVs uh, came into being. So there really aren't a church and didn't come out of a church and aren't against churches at all. It's just something separate. And I know I had to struggle with that personally, you know, when I, when I was around, uh, when I was growing up in the NAVs and all. And I've been listening to these <clears throat> talks, these old talks, Fred Krebs sent me some that Dawson gave. And one of them was very interesting to me. Um, I actually, looking back, thinking of what all happened with Navigators, it was a real blessing that Dawson, that Billy Graham asked and Dawson did say yes to helping Billy Graham all around the world. Because that put a stamp of uh, um, uh, well, what am I thinking? Approval, Approval on the navs. that Like, like it's, it's, it's the real deal. It's not a cult or it's not weird. But what it did for the navigators was, see they had developed these materials. So they the plan with Graham is there's a team moves into a city and they work with all the pastors to put on in one year this big meeting series. Well, these pastors are all different types of churches. And so then... They came up with materials to use with the people that came forward, and they, they field tested, so they had pastors and such. And this group wouldn't like it because it goes against this doctrine. This group wouldn't like it because it goes against that doctrine. So it was really hard, and they had a lot of head-banging thing, like, what do we do? But then what, what it's like being tried by fire, what it produced was it produced a way of working with people that doesn't offend. And that's what's interesting. So you'll find that navigator materials can be used in all kinds of church denominations, because it was written with that in the, in the mind. And that's a good thing. So I see navigators as a different entity altogether than a church. We're, we're involved in a local church, and we all should be. And then the navigators are, are this thing like Paul and his band. We're, we're doing also this other so, but then, so it's it's kind of complicated, but um, I don't see them as 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 against each other. I see us all working together.
5: I know when Mark got together with me the first time when we got together, I was going to the Methodist Church and grew up Catholic. And when when we first sat down, he said, "Do you want to?" Sit down and read the Bible and get to know Jesus. He says, it's "Not about denominations. It's not about doctrine. It's just about getting to know Jesus." And I said, "Yeah, that's what I want." And so the, he just kind of completely bypassed that, and that was that was meaningful to me. I just wanted to get to know hmm. Jesus. So that's what I think Navigators is about—not to get into all the all the little details like Tim was talking about. Do you want to say something? No, no, oh, okay. no, no okay, okay,
1: don't want it. All right, this is David Nolan, you have another question. How do we guard against idolatry, idolatry, marriage? Know that Paul, knowing that Paul thought it better to be single, that there will be no marriage in the resurrection. How do we
5: uh, against the idolatry? What were you? Doing? Yeah, marriage I, idolatry. I, I, I,
1: yes. I can, I can yeah. rephrase it
2: because I know who's asking. Yeah. that. said yeah. um. How do we guard against against making marriage an idol or choosing a spouse, making that an idol? When Paul says it's better to be single.
5: Yeah, I I think marriage can be an idol just like your kids can be an idol, just like your work can be an idol, and anything can be an idol. And uh, I think what you have to look for is... Uh, if you see the smoke of something that, that is consuming you or that you're hyper-interested in, then you really need to follow that smoke down to the fire, and there's the altar that you've built to an idol. And um, so if, if the marriage itself, if the woman hmm. herself becomes the, the object of, of what, what you're about in your marriage, for one, it's not going to work very well, and for and for two, uh, that then it could become an idol. And again, your uh, the the protection against that is to set your eyes on the things above, to rise above the things of this world. That that, mm-hmm. that you know the, that woman is going to let you down. You know, everybody in here is going to let your each other down. You know there's just you just can't help it we're living in a fallen world we're fallen people and that's what's going to happen so the the only way to me to keep these things from being an idol is just that right there keep your focus on christ and realize all this is Hmm. just preparing you for eternity Hmm. Uh, what do you think of paul
1: saying that he thought it was better to be single and that Marriage would be a distraction.
5: Yeah, and I could see that. I mean, that anybody who's married can see that. That if 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 that if if you have that settled in your heart, then then that's good. But then also, he said it's better to somebody said this better to marry than burn. I think mm-hmm. somebody brought that up. You know, with with, with lust and passion. So <laughs> you know, but yeah, I could see that you have a whole lot more um, that you can offer the kingdom if you're single but at the same time your singleness can be an idol you know then now all of a sudden you you love being single because you're selfish you don't want to have anybody else to to deal with or take care of and then next thing you know it's not really about christ there either it's about you and and marriage takes away from you so you don't want to be married you'd rather be single
1: Anybody else have any thoughts on
0: that? In Matthew 19, they're, they're coming at Jesus to attack him, and they're raising the issue of divorce. They were saying, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause? So he's, then he goes back to what Dave was talking about on his talk, that he made them male and female, and he quotes uh, Genesis 2.24. For this cause a man shall leave his wife. Father, and mother, and cleaved his wife, the two shall become one flesh. And in flesh, consequently, there are no more two but one. Therefore, uh, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And then they come back. Well, Moses said that you can get a divorce. that Give her a certificate and, and just divorce her. And why is that? And so he went into that. And then the disciples, man, if this relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it's better just to not marry at all. So that's what they came back with. So they're back and forth on this thing. See, the very topic we're talking about. Isn't that funny? And so then they're proposing, well, we should just be single. And see, Paul picks up on this later in that letter that I wish that you were single like me. You wouldn't have this concern. Now, that's weird because we know that he was married because he couldn't have been in the Sanhedrin if he wasn't. But he said to them, not all men can accept this statement, meaning... You've got to be single and not married. Well, why? Well, God created us, and there's a sense to mate. There's a sense in our nature. And then he goes into and said, Not all men can accept this, only those to whom it is be given. There are eunuchs who were born that way from the mother's womb. Then there are eunuchs who are made eunuchs by men, castrated, like that's what kings would do. When they had a court of women and the men around, they castrated them. Probably Daniel was like that. Then there are eunuchs.
1: (laughs) Not that Daniel.
0: (laughs) Well, I've lost everything now. (laughs) It's It's all gone. Born Born eunuch, made a eunuch. And he said, there are also eunuchs who make themselves that way. For the sake of the kingdom. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. So it's interesting. Then, so Paul says it's better and I wish you'd be single. And then Dave uses what Paul wrote about marriage. Now, if he was so against marriage, why would he go into all that? So that doesn't make sense. So it's funny that balance thing comes back, you know. So you've got everybody. Well, you can't have one thing for everybody. So it's like, how God leads, how how this is, how that is, you know. Do you think that he was talking about uh, them actually taking testing off and God that, that <laughs> act that way, or do you think it was just... It, well, it's by men, inferring me, other men do that. You know, that's awful. But that, to me, is interesting, the the back and forth of that thing. So I know Mike's not here, but he and I used to have long talks, and he was settled that God had... Had, had called him to be single, and he was going to minister his whole life. And then it, was, it really messed him up. He was 45, and this girl was 30. And she told uh, Carol and I later that she met him, and um, they lived live in a, uh, an apartment or something. She met him, and she knew within a week that he was the one she would marry. But it took him a year and a half to get there, too. Because why he had already settled this. He was the third eunuch. He was the third guy that was, he's the he wasn't going to marry. He was living for the Lord, and that he'd given that up. And uh, I remember we went round and round. He'd call me on the phone. I don't know. I just don't know. And we'd talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Well, see, God had to do a work in his heart. She was ready. She knew. Fifteen years younger. And so he got uh, he got married. You
4: know, middle forties seems to me on the thing of an idol of marriage i think that happens before marriage happens because i think we've all known guys who are more in love with the idea of being in love than waiting for god to bring that person in their life so I, to me i think it might carry into and and probably it's, it, it starts with, like we talked about, insecurities, where
3: hmm.
4: um, I need her to make me feel good about myself. Um, so when I, it seems like if, on the thing of I get secure in the Lord, therefore when I begin, when, when dating begins, If we break up, that doesn't destroy me. Mm. So then it's like, okay, I'm seeing if, if God has made this helper for me, then I know we're gonna, we're gonna work together to spread his kingdom and fulfill his commands to be fruitful and multiply. And we're gonna do that with our biological children and we're gonna do it with spiritual children because we're gonna work together in that. 'Cause if that's what's on your heart then she's gonna come alongside and do that with you. Yeah. So I think it starts before marriage. So that's a thing you gotta you gotta work out before then, in my opinion. Very good. David Nolan.
1: David Nolan. Um <laughs> so you have let's say there's a guy that comes up to you <laughs> It's a friend of yours and he asks for help. In his marriage, and you want to help him, but he's not a believer. What do you do?
5: Well, it, you know, in, in counseling, to me, is um, first evangelistic. That if I'm gonna if I'm gonna help somebody, and, and to me, that's kind of a, a counseling situation. But I guess it'd be the same as if you were discipling somebody and you sat down with them and realized they they weren't a Christian, and you'd be tuned into that and try and move them towards uh, accepting Christ. And, uh, you know, that would definitely be uh, the topic that that would be first and foremost, you know, as you start talking about uh, marriage. But I think you can get there in the same way like you might use a John study and get to John 4 and then uh, maybe share the bridge after that. I think you could start somebody sits down and says hey i'm thinking about getting married and you realize they're not a not a christian well you could start again with uh genesis and talk to them about what what it was like in the beginning what it was like in a perfect world what a what a perfect man a perfect woman a perfect marriage was and then uh, look at the fall and then now how it's going to be during the fall well, then, now you can see that, that the only way you're going to make this work is if you're a Christian, that, that you got your focus on Christ, and that you choose somebody else who is a Christian, and that they have their focus on Christ because of what you're up against after the fall. But see, if, if you were going through the same verses that I handed out to everybody, then you would get to that point to where you can start to see... You know, you, nobody's gonna to reach the perfect scenario that, that God outlined, but now if you're gonna, if, if you're even gonna get married in, in this fallen world, then you better have these things on board. And if, if the whole goal in that is to uh, focus on the things above, not on the things in the world, well that's first and foremost accepting Christ. you got to get right with Christ. And then you can say, you know, if not, then, you know, these, these things are not available to you. What you're going to be doing is fighting this battle in this world your whole life. And it's going to be, it's going to be extremely difficult.
0: And essentially, you won't have the spiritual resources exactly. to beat yeah. the flesh or the world and you, and you just got, I mean, you got a mess. I just think, boy, if I didn't have... I don't see how non-Christians stay married. I I really don't. I mean, men and women are not Christians and married 34 years. I I don't know. I guess they're numb. I don't know.
5: So if you know, if you go... They beat each each other up up or If they end up... (laughs) uh, After you start looking at the fall, then you say, hey, this is what uh, life looks like and this is what marriage looks like in the fall. You know, how, how do you combat that? bad it as being a Christian and focusing on the things above.
0: See, you did fine for a while while, because your common interest was partying. Yeah. And but after a while, you know, ten years of it, and and you're 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 into cocaine and all this stuff you were doing, and uh, but that's how you were coping, and you just go blow it out, literally. I mean, so
5: to please. The simple nature, from yeah. that nature you reap destruction. It's yeah. not only probable.
0: But at first it doesn't feel that way, then after a while
5: and if, But it's predictable. Yeah. Sooner or later you're going to get to destruction and that's what happened to me.
1: Nolan David You're going to have to film this one. Why does God hold the man, Adam, responsible when it is clearly the woman's
0: <laughs> Why are all the I'm so men glad laughing? So question yeah, yeah. I'm really,
1: really glad. <laughs> yeah, i uh,
3: You know, that's what I—that's what I said. That
5: the 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 man was right there too. I think the man was just as much at fault as the woman in the in the original sin. He was right there with her. And uh, Mm -hmm. now then you get get down to it and he's even more responsible because if he would have been doing what God had trained him to do where he was being the leader and the protector and the provider, then he would have jumped in and shut that down. He would have taken his role as a leader uh, Mm -hmm. to offset that conversation and to turn Satan away and to protect the woman and he did it. So by him, by him laying back, mm-hmm. then he allowed the rest, rest of this to unfold, which again is a, a lesson for us. You know, if we lay back and, and allow those things to unfold, then it's gonna, it's gonna be a problem, but we're gonna be held responsible.
1: Mm-hmm. Does anybody else have any thoughts on that? Okay, was good. This is on the subject of belly buttons. <laughs> Did Adam and Eve have one?
3: What? <laughs> <laughs> it,
2: it's actually a bigger question that, that in, in the science, the science religion debate, it's uh, the, the underlying question is, is science got it wrong because God created the world with the evidence of age? So he made the world appear to be thirteen billion years old when he created it five thousand years ago. And so that's a line of one yep. way that Christian apologists explain yep. and reconcile the current scientific data with, with what the scriptures say.
0: So when you would have looked at Adam and he was one minute old, how old would he have looked?
2: He would have looked twenty one or whatever.
0: Or thirty or whatever. Whatever it was, yeah. Not one minute. He wasn't a baby in arms. You're twenty one? He raised his hand. Yep. I didn't. I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He looked
3: like.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That. Her, his point. His point was he wasn't born. He was made. And we're born, so we have belly buttons. What? I've
3: always heard that when I'm talking to my grandchildren and they see the yeah. belly button discussion, they
1: said that's God's done button. <laughs> 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 belly button is <laughs> God's <guides laughs> done button. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
2: No one heard that. Yeah, Randy said the belly button is God's done button, so you're done. And And he punched it. It's like the little pop-out thing. Like a turkey. turkey, Like the
0: turkey thing.
1: What would you say about Titus 2.5 that says for wives to be workers at home in this day and age, does this verse still apply? Maybe David can answer this too.
3: Thank you. He doesn't, maybe
2: he doesn't want it on the record. He doesn't
1: want it on the record. <laughs> you know, record.
2: My wife might
3: oh, yeah. hear about this. <laughs> <laughs> <It's terrible. laughs> I think God has a calling on women as he has on men. Mm-hmm. And boy, it's no less a calling to be a housewife, be a caretaker, and, and have children. As it is to be an, a woman being an executive, I think you have to sort that out. Is, is, what's God calling me? What's Christ saying about my gifts? And and two, how you two work together, the husband and wife. Um, my wife is so much smarter than I am, and yet she chose at a season to be home with the kids. And then once they were in school, then she went back to her service. Her giftedness and uh, help provided for the family uh, when I got fired from a job one time and, uh, but it drew us closer together, knowing that I didn't make her feel a little by being and going into the workplace as well as working at home.
0: I want I want to go to that passage Titus one five says: He's talk, Paul is talking to Titus, for this reason I left you in Crete, that you might set in order what remains. And so things were in disarray. So then in chapter 2, he talks about older men, older women, younger women, and younger men. But he keeps Titus, He's he's got him with older men and younger men, but he keeps him out of the realm of ministering to the younger women. Obviously, why? You know, there's this it can get all confusing with love and, 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 the, and, the, and the attractions. So he has in verse 3 of chapter 2, older women, and he gives how they are to behave, and then they should encourage or train the younger white women. And so the older women are to work with the younger women. And, and so this is like um, a role and see, there to love husbands, love children, be simple, pure workers at home, kind of their own husbands, subject to the Word of God. The Word of God may not be dishonored. Well, then I don't know if that says don't go out and work, but it, it has to fit. So it's a husband-wife thing. I know that different ones I've talked to, the, the wife needs work to make it. And so they first get married and they live on income, two incomes, put one income aside and live on one income. Then when children come, it's like phases and whatever. But to me, it seems like they're working together as a team, the man leading, the woman in there, and then they decide. So it's not like she's independent. She has to go work like him to be able to be something. That's not, that's, that's not here. But is it excluding that she doesn't work outside the home? I don't think it does, but this needs to be adhered to as well, which most of us it would be. Wouldn't you agree with that, David?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Good. Yeah, and it, I would
5: say, even in my own testimony, that as Donna and I got married, <clears throat> and then we, I really worked my way down the corporate ladder, that, uh, you know, <laughs> from me selling off my CPA firm and taking a lower-paying job, and then uh, her quitting her nice TV job, and uh staying at home with the kids and then you know ultimately me taking even a lower paying job at a trucking company that offered uh, me a percentage of the company well we got down to to really we we were living paycheck to paycheck and had nothing but we had made the commitment to what we wanted was to have her stay home with the kids and that's what she really wanted and we said we were just going to make it we were going to trust in god and I, before I became a Christian, before Don and I got married, I was working seven days a week and could never, you know, constantly wanted to grow the business. And you know, when I when I sold my accounting firm, we had thirty people working there, and uh, still wanting to push it more and try and make more money. But it was constant stress, and we and it never seemed to get ahead. It never really worked as well as I wanted it to. And then after. Uh, Don and I got married, we we went down to having nothing and living paycheck to paycheck, but then God brought us back, you know, and I worked less and made more money and, and better off financially a lot more than I ever was when I was working seven days a week. So it's like, I think as you just keep living in to what God's got for you, then, and I think he brought us down to zero to break me of that greed and that sense that I've could control my own destiny, and once he broke me of that, then he blessed me with, with financially. Mm, wow. Okay, and I, and I and I see it again with my uh, my daughter Olivia when when they got married. Then uh, her, now it, it's evolved where they, she was teaching, and her husband's a farmer. Well, now they, that's grown to the place where uh, she wanted us to stay home with the kids when they had a kid and then his income grew to where even as a farmer he's able to uh, make enough money to support the family but then while she was there when after she had a miscarriage and then started a, a business where she started doing weavings and selling these weavings and started making really good money from selling those weavings and then over time then she got into now making earrings and then She's making those earrings and she's making a, a whole lot more money at home in her spare time than, and it's really fulfilling to her because it's creative. And she's making a lot more money than that than she did full-time teaching. So now then her husband's uh, making enough money to support the family in, in his farming ventures. And then she's making even more money for the family in her, her earring and weaving business. And, again, they lived into this, and as, they, as as she made the commitment to stay home, then God blessed that. And so I would say mm-hmm. I wouldn't be afraid if, if my wife said, if I was any of y'all, and my wife said she wanted to stay home with the kids, I would say, let's do it. Let's find a way. And then let's see how God will bless us. And it doesn't have to be how you think it'll be. It does, it's not dependent on just the, the income from from your current job. It can be a new job, it can be from other sources. There's a, a, a innumerable ways that God can bless you and make up that difference. And I wouldn't be afraid to, to do that at all, even if it gets you down to where you're living paycheck to paycheck.
1: Yeah, you know, I feel like that question is so loaded because, you know, culturally today, they, uh, a lot of people have think of staying at home as a negative thing, like it's below in marriage. Like there's some, that's such a loaded thing, and it doesn't have a biblical. When, in our culture today, it's did not come from a biblical thinking where it's husband and wife working together. Because Olivia, it sounds like she's, that's more like a, a true Proverbs 31 woman. She's increasing the homestead. And so it's not this, she doesn't, she just sits home and takes care of the children, and she's this little submissive thing that's not what it is so but apparently i really don't know what i'm talking about because i'm a unit so (laughs) so, yeah
5: but it was really with with donna too that when uh when she was home she i mean you'd be surprised how much impact it can have on the household and on your finances with you have a a good woman at home that's managing that Mm -hmm. you know as far as the food Mm -hmm. and Mm-hmm. Uh, you know just all the expenses and what she's able to do and not paying for daycare and this and that you know yeah. did Amy Joe's stayed home the whole time didn't she, yeah, she what's home. your testimony about
4: that mm-hmm. that work out for y'all sure I mean we've got to do without stuff you know but you got to resolve it and say okay in our family that's going to be the focus we know that's what we've called to. And she was called to that and I was too. She was offered a when uh, I mean, she was working at the Boys and Girls Club, she was offered a uh, an executive director position and this was back when our kids were really, really young. I don't even uh, we hadn't had London yet and uh, gosh, we, you know what? I think we just had Gabriel so we hadn't had Kaylin and Kinsley and it was like it was tempting. Mm-hmm. So it was like she could make a lot of money she can make probably way more money than I was making at that time uh, on you know now support and everything and so I was like mm. but then we looked at it and we thought about it and it was like no that's not what we've been called to so that would derail the what we knew that God had wanted us to do because now would mean that either we put Gabriel in daycare, or, and then all that money goes to that, or then I would have to then stop meeting with guys and all that because I would be Mr. Mom and doing everything, so um, God's blessed. We're at, so London's in fifth grade now. She'll go to middle school next next year, and there may be a new opportunity for her to enter back into the workforce, and, or or not, so yeah, I would. I would say make it work, because you. you like
5: God bless that
4: well, yeah, and, and yeah. Look, from a money standpoint, he like he promises to provide, so he always has.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: We've had to do without, and we hadn't had always had the nicest things, and we have to buy older vehicles that are dependable. But what's that? I mean, our kids are more important than than a car. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. May I interject a question? How many more you got? We're going to do one more. One more. Mm-hmm, we'll go ahead. Okay. So I had a question I didn't write on card. Yeah, sure. <laughs> now, let me, let me. This is not a political question.
3: <laughs>
4: and I do not want it to go down that road. But it's been eight years since you gave that talk beforehand. There's been a massive change in our culture in eight years, especially in this area of marriage, and as you specifically pointed out, in the thing of how He created us. So the in a in a in a in a way, the very things that you said yesterday could be, could be construed as Hate speech, in a way. Now, this is where I want to box it in. For you, I, I was just curious as you as you went back and you prepared and you studied in light of what's current and what has come about in our culture. What what are the spiritual implications? What insight, if any, and maybe there wasn't any, did the Lord uh, reveal to you? In light of that, how do we, how do you look at what's going on in our culture, in and around us, with this thing of focused on Christ and how God made us? Maybe, and maybe you say, I don't know, I didn't think about it. And that's fine, we'll move on.
5: No, I think what's interesting is you go back eight years ago, and from what I had, how little it changed as I went through it. Because the Bible doesn't change, you know that I, I still. The culture has changed dramatically in eight years. You're exactly right, and then now we don't even know what's a boy and a girl. Uh, the the world doesn't, but it but it's still the same way. So seeing in, in looking through the lens of the Bible, it's just showing that the world is so corrupt and so depraved and so evil that all it does is continue to reinforce in you that. That I I can't ha- worry about the things of the world and realize that they're passing away, and then I got to keep my eyes focused on the eternal. Mm-hmm. because if I if mm-hmm. I focus down here, yeah, I get pulled into all kinds of things. I mean, you know, you can be you can be pulled into uh, that the uh, third world war is going to break out and. Um, you know, that, the, that you're gonna be arrested for preaching against uh, homosexuality and, you know, uh, all the craziness, I mean, even, you, you know, you've got children, kindergarten to third grade, where they passed a law in Florida where you couldn't uh, talk to kids about anything sexual. And that was a controversial law. That, and, and you know, you don't, why should you be talking to kids that age about sexual things, any kind of sexual things? Yeah. And, but true. that's the world we live in. But mm. what what the the things that I was talking about have stayed the same. Yeah. That that was that was what was really neat. is it wasn't like I needed to update you know the biblical perspective of of marriage and of this world and living for eternity. Mm-hmm. Is that
3: is yeah, that? I was yeah.
4: Yeah, that's good. I mean, you, you kind
3: of go like
4: mm. yes. This is the way, this is righteousness, this is holiness, this is,
5: anyway. Yeah, and that, I think that was great, a, 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 great, a great question, but it, it was just interesting to me. You didn't need to change it much. <laughs> the truth is still the truth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had to spend
2: a lot of time thinking about this issue in the past eight years too. Two things I think for me are significant. One is that it's not a particular act of sin that separates us from God. It's not I did that one thing. It's that I am sinful. My sin manifests itself in one way. Your sin manifests itself in a different way. But it's our sinful heart, our sinful nature that keeps us from Christ. And that's what's got to be fixed, not a particular practice or a particular act. Which hopefully helps me extend grace to those who are are without Christ or who are in Christ and struggling with whatever the sin may be. And the other thing is that I've really grown to have a much more sacred view of marriage. Hopefully I put it into practice. But my thinking is, as I look at the scripture, is that way before the creation of the world, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit knew there was going to be this thing that, that, that was Jesus' bride, that was going to be the church. And so that existed a long time before we did, or that knowledge, God's foreknowledge, that was going to happen. And then as they're, I have this picture of them sitting around, how are they going to create the world, what's going to be in the world? And they're thinking, how are we going to impress upon our people, our children, that there's going to be this incredible relationship between Jesus and his church? We'll do it through marriage between a man and a woman.
0: Yes, right.
2: And so it's not that there was marriage and Paul decided to use the metaphor of marriage to describe Christ's relationship with the church. Is that marriage is the metaphor for our God's relationship with His church,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and so how does the world see what how God treats His people? It's how we treat our wives, mm-hmm. and I, I don't see how that works with same-sex marriage. That, that, that's
0: where I come down. Let's let's let him go to one more question. Yeah.
5: David's going to have one thing. This I just one. wanted to say that I am going to have to update the marriage
4: study on the belly button question. That's the one area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hebrews thirteen four, let marriage be held in honor among all,
0: and let the marriage bed be undefiled.
1: Fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. All right, last question. Um, and there, uh, let's see. Yeah, for Shannon and Senor Cop as well. As a young Christian, how would you suggest?
4: Starting the habit of prayer. Seven minutes. Seven minutes of prayer. Several years ago, um, I told Andy, I said, because we were having this conversation. I said, well, why don't you just set aside seven minutes for prayer each day? So set your alarm. Let it go seven minutes, and after seven minutes, if you want to keep going, you can. Uh, just try to reach that did that work so he says yes and he said yes yeah so um, (laughs) I would I would I would start there and I so I did not one thing I failed to say I didn't mean for um, everything that I all those little nine points that's not. I, don't, I didn't mean for that to be a checklist that you have to cycle through. I, I didn't mean that. So you kind of mix and match, um, and you can spread that out across different days. So maybe in that seven minutes, one day you 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 pray the attributes. And one thing that one thing I think we're going to try to do is provide some of these resources to you guys and kind of some follow up. And one of the things I want to do is to provide those, those links that I use. It's very simple. If you just, on your phone, if you were to do a search on attributes of God, there's a bunch of those things that come up. I use one from Blue Letter Bible and one from another one. Those were the two that you saw up there. But really anything will work as long as it'll have the attribute along with the uh, a scripture. So in the same manner in which we pray through the Psalms, pick one of those attributes. I, I think I really would suggest everyone begins starting praying the attributes of God. So, in that seven minutes, start with an attribute. Just pick one, and maybe one or two verses, and pray through that, and then move down to praying for yourself, and maybe some of those other things that I mentioned, and cycle through, and pray for different things, and pray for different guys. If you're meeting with a guy, please pray for that guy, uh, and pray for yourself, and things like that. I think that's... I think that's where I would start. And if if you're not convinced of it, like I said, go study it a while. So here's, here's a way to blend several things together. So, what topic do I study? Pick prayer. You can look up prayer, praying, prayed, look at what Jesus prayed, look at what Paul prayed. Look at Jesus' prayer uh, in 17, John 17. There's lots of this. So you, if, if you want to start a prayer life, go to the Word and convince yourself of it. Then blend in, maybe, if you believe that the Word of God, the Word will transform your mind, memorize some verses on it, and then start with seven minutes of prayer. I hope that's... Yeah. so he asked me, well, I have a prayer journal I showed up there it's, for me it started with a little notebook that I have back in my in my book but because I wanted to pray in the dark to not be distracted I, I couldn't see it and I couldn't find a flashlight that worked okay. and, uh, so I said forget done. that yeah. so that's when I moved to an app now you have to be careful you've got to be self disciplined if you're going to use your phone to help you pray can't get on Facebook, you can't get on whatever, you know. So you got to hem yourself in, right? Jeff's not going to have a problem with that. So, No problem with that. All
0: right, what we're going to do nope, now? Nope,
4: nope, nope, nope. Dave cop Because he, I mean, you were around the master of prayer for a long, long time. So.
3: Yes, yes. Uh, prayer is where really the battle is, guys. I mean, if uh, we took a barometer of us and How much of our life is prayer, our daily lives? It'd be little. Mm -hmm. And so having an attitude of prayer takes it up a notch. Because you're you're seeking to talk to God, let Him talk to you, uh, using acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Is kind of the beginning. Because prayer is just talking to God about what's going on in your life. Who's in your life? And what are the burdens you carry? And uh, maybe the concerns you have, and maybe the issues and the stresses that you're going through, and decisions you have to make, and you bring them to God. And uh, you want to have the wisdom to make the wise choice. Uh, But prayer is the the, the ground level there. As you're seeking to go through the Word, praying it back to God, Uh, that was revolutionary for me.
0: Well, we can go on. Y'all, this is so good. We need to quit. Now, here's what we want to do. Um, We want to do 10 minutes where you don't move. You don't get up. You don't walk around. You don't talk. 10 minutes alone with God. Let me encourage you to write down a a little compact with God. Like, God, you really hit me with this. This one thing. And this is how you hit me, and this is what I'm going to do about it. So write a paragraph or two. If it's two things, okay. You can review notes. You can pray. But these guys are going to get up now. These guys will go back to their seat. Ten minutes will be up, and then Jeff will take over. We want to, after that, we want to drop our name badges. We'll have a box up there. All right. Let's do ten minutes of prayer and writing
3: to God, and then we'll pack up.